You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. At some point, we will all experience pain, loss, heartache, and suffering. A broken relationship, financial troubles, health problems, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, or the loss of a dream. It can be difficult to know where to turn or how to process the wide range of emotions we experience during these dark times. Often, our culture tells us to hide these emotions away and sweep them under the rug. But God is big enough to hear our pain and care about our suffering. The Bible is full of examples of people who lament, who cry out to God for comfort and peace. The best example is the Book of Lamentations. It is a book that demonstrates the power of turning to God, laying out our complaints, and trusting God to show up in a time of need. In dark clouds, God offers deep mercy. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. If you're like me, you probably grew up singing that hymn or you may have heard it somewhere before, Great is Thy Faithfulness. To this very day, when I hear it, I think of home. I think of the bucolic setting with its lush fields of corn. I think of a statuesque church building with sturdy pillars and soft light from stained glass windows. I think of singing this very song and many others like it in the church pews, sitting between my mother and father as a child. I think of warmth. I think of safety in the presence of my family and my church. Honestly, it brings to mind a time and a place where all seemed right with the world and nothing seemed wrong. A time and a place of rich abundance in the loftiest definition of those words. Well, the memories are good. It's nice to carry them around, but in all honesty, they could not be further from the reality of that hymn. The reality of that hymn comes from Lamentations chapter three. Chapter three. In fact, the words are almost directly lifted from Lamentations chapter three. And in Lamentations chapter three, there is no bucolic setting with lush fields of corn. There are no statuesque church buildings, no sturdy pillars, no stained glass, no soft light, none of that to be found in the book of Lamentations. In Lamentations, families have been crushed and warmth and safety have become a forgotten dream that's gone and had been gone for a while. Verse after verse, the prophet Jeremiah laments the destruction of Jerusalem. 
As Ronnie alluded to last week, and as you know, if you've been reading through Lamentations, it is a heavy book. It is a dark book. It is an appropriately named book because it is full of lamentation. Jeremiah laments page after page. He laments the siege of starvation. He laments the sacking of the city of Jerusalem. He laments the burning of the temple. He laments the leveling of the city walls. He laments the looting of all of its goods and valuables. He laments the exile. He laments the enslavement of what survivors there were. And he laments every other horror that these sort of things imply and require. But there's one bright spot of hope or maybe it's a glimmer of hope, right in the middle of the book. Pages of darkness and sorrow and lament, then this sliver of hope, then more pages of darkness and sorrow and lament. But when you get to chapter 3, when you arrive at verse 31, when you find yourself in the middle of possibly the darkest book of the entire Bible, Jeremiah writes this. But I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Let's pray. Dear Lord, many of us have never faced anything like this siege of this city, like its destruction, like its utter ruin. The breadth, the depth, the scope of the violence and the destruction is most likely unfathomable to us. But we have lived life. We do know what dark days are. Some know darker days than others. And we pray as we read Jeremiah's words, as he calls to mind that which gives him hope, you would help us to call to mind that which gives hope and to cling to it, to store it away for the dark day, to use it today, if today is the dark day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah, in the middle of all of this darkness, turns to the light and he reminds himself of four truths, four realities, things that remain true, that remain steadfast, no matter how dark the circumstances may be. And he reminds himself of these truths. He rehearses them in his mind so that he can have some hope to cling to in the midst of all this darkness. The first truth is this. God's mercy never ends. Read Lamentations chapter 3 verses 20 through, 22 through 24. It reads like this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning Great is your faithfulness. This is that old hymn. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Here's the reality. Reality is this. God's love for us never ceases, no matter who else's love dies or is taken from us. These people faced dark times. The survivors had lost family members. They had lost loved ones. They had probably, in these situations, when there's enormous stress, perhaps even turned on one another. 
Jeremiah reminds them that God's love has not ceased, no matter how great the darkness, no matter whose love has died or whose love has been taken from them. God's love has not. It may feel that way sometimes, and that's why it's important that we renew our mind to the truth, that we rehearse the truth in our mind, that we hide it away in our heart so that when things seem one way, we are reminded they are actually another. God has not abandoned us. God has not decided he no longer loves us. That is not true. What is true is God's love never ceases, no matter the circumstance we find ourselves in the middle of. Reality is also this, God's mercy never ends. It says it's new every morning. No matter what your sin is, no matter what consequences you may be living through, because of that sin, God's mercy never ends. There is grace and there is forgiveness and there is restoration for you through God's mercy. They knew it to be true at the time of Jeremiah. At least Jeremiah did, and he's calling it to mind for himself and for others. And we know it to be true in a much firmer, more concrete way in our time because we live on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ where he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven and so that we could have the hope of eternal life, something beyond the darkness that we often face in this world. Reality is this, God's faithfulness is great. He is there when all else fails. When the Lord is our only portion, because everything else has become empty, it is gone or it is meaningless, we realize he is all we ever had in the first place and he is all we will ever need. Our only hope was only ever in him. The second truth is this. <clears throat> Waiting is not a waste. Verses 25 through 27 of Lamentations chapter 3 reads this way. It says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Even if we must wait for the life to come. And let's be honest, there are situations we face in this world, dark situations we face in this world, where we have to come to grips with the fact this will only ever be put right fully in the next life. It'll never fully be right in this life. It may never even be right, period, in this life. Even if we must wait for the life to come, it is still good to wait on the Lord, for he will do good by us in his own time if we but seek him. And this, like most spiritual practices, this, this idea of waiting patiently for the salvation of the Lord, for the, for the true and complete fulfillment of his salvation, waiting patiently for that. This spiritual practice, like most, the sooner we do it, i.e. the younger that we do it, the younger we learn to quietly wait on God, the better. It is good for a man that he bear this yoke in his youth, that he learn to do this in his youth. The third truth is, the final word has not been spoken. We're going to skip over verses 28, 29, and 30, right to verse 31 of Lamentations 3. It reads this way, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion 
according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Even when God is allowing the grief as a discipline, and that is what's happening here for these people. They, they are being carried off into captivity. These things have been allowed to happen to them because God is allowing them to be disciplined. He's allowing them to be punished. They're being punished for their wickedness, for their idolatry, and God was a very long-suffering with them. He was extremely patient with them, but the wheel of his righteousness has finally turned round. It's finally turned round, and the day of discipline is here for them. Even when God is allowing the grief as a discipline, we can take assurance and hope in the fact that there are limits. God is not an out-of-control father abusing his children. His abundance of steadfast love does remain. His compassion will reassert itself. Grief is not the final word to be spoken in any situation, whether it is the direct result of something I have done or whether it's the result of living in a sinful, fallen world. Grief is not the final word to be spoken in any given situation. And the fourth truth, God is always good. Verse 33 of Lamentations reads this way, For he does not afflict his heart or grieve, afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. God does not relish these situations. Whether we are suffering the consequences of our own personal sin are the consequences of living in a messy, fallen world of sin that often makes little sense to us. Grief does not exist because the Lord takes pleasure in it. Grief does not exist because the Lord takes pleasure in it. God is always good. And in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of the consequences of our own sin, the good God who does love us, who is not doing these things or allowing these things to happen because he takes some kind of delight in it, because he pleasures in it. He is there and he is our hope and he is our anchor to give us a way through. You know, you go into a jewelry stop, uh, shop to buy a diamond and you'll often notice that the jeweler takes the diamond rings that you might be interested in, or maybe you're just buying a diamond, I don't know, I haven't bought a lot of diamonds, and he lays them out on a very dark background, often the darkest of dark backgrounds, usually a dark blue or a black velvet of some kind. The reason why a jeweler does this is so that nothing but the diamond catches the light, and therefore nothing but the diamond catches your eye. Jeremiah takes four diamonds. He takes four diamonds of truth and he lays them out in the midst of the darkest of dark backgrounds, right? Chapter one's dark. Chapter two is dark. Almost all of chapter three is dark. Chapter four is darkness, 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 darkness. But right there in the middle, right there in the middle, chapter three, verse 21, he takes four diamonds and he lays those diamonds out on this dark, dark background, and he does so, so that nothing but these truths catch the light and hopefully 
catch our eye. We may not be living in the aftermath of an Old Testament siege. We may not be living in the aftermath of an Old Testament-style exile into slavery. Thank goodness we're not. But we all know that life can get dark. Sometimes it can get pretty dark. And it will serve us well to have already purchased these precious stones, placed them into our hearts, placed them into our minds, so that they can give us a guiding hope in the darkest of days. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the truth that Jeremiah shares in the midst of the darkness. Truth that we can remind ourselves of, that we can rehearse in our minds and our hearts over and over so that when the darkness comes to us, when the darkness enters our lives, they will shine brightly and we will see you and only you. We will see that your mercy never ends. We will see that waiting on you is not a waste. We will see that the final word in this situation has not been spoken. You will have the final word. And we can be reminded that no matter how bad it gets, you are always good. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.